0: hey hey memphis welcome to the weekend welcome to friday welcome to memphis flyer radio recorded mixed mastered breaded and fried for you this week back at flyer headquarters right here on beautiful cotton row downtown offering lovely views of dry streets and thermometers that point above freezing. We are beamed into the sky and into your radio from the center of the universe, Crosstown Concourse and its WYXR radio station at 91.7 FM. Thank you to all the good folks over there making great community radio happen. And if you haven't already, consider a donation to the station at wyxr.org. This show comes to you, of course, from the people and the pages of the Memphis Flyer. We are your alternative news weekly, based right here in good old Memphis, Tennessee, USA. And if you like what we do, please consider joining our frequent flyer club, where you can support local and alternative journalism right here in your town. For more details, go over to MemphisFlyer.com. Now, I don't have to tell you that Memphis has been on a rough ride since the last time we hung out last Friday. There were about 130,000 people without power over the last week. Trees and branches froze, popped, snapped, and just wrecked everything. The situation is mostly back to normal this Friday afternoon, but don't tell that to the thousands of Memphis Light, Gas, and Water customers who are still without power They've been in the cold and the dark for more than a week. Now, MLGW is doing everything they can to fix the situation, and I believe them. But folks without power have grown ever more frustrated and vocal about the situation, and I believe them, too. It's it's tough all over, folks, and I am just so sorry. I, I wish I had the means to buy you all a beer. It'd be like, Barky, around for the county, please. Ah, God, that'd be sweet. All right, going to keep the jibber-jabber light uh, here because we do have a great show today. Jackson Baker, our politics editor, he's going to help us make sense of the political map-making that happened in Nashville recently and why it matters. Our food writer and man about town, Michael Donahue, he finds amazing people doing amazing things with food. And these are folks you're not going to read about anywhere else, really. And he'll, he'll share some of his latest finds with us. And make sure you pick up a copy of The Flyer out on the stands this week. It's our annual love issue. So if you need to pick me up, pick it up. We'll have news in the member net, of course, and we'll have some choice cuts from our calendar, the finest events calendar in all of Memphiana, to help you get your weekend together. I think that's gonna do it. Let me check under this enormous pile of beer cans that helped me get through the last week. Nope, nope, that's everything. Okay, here we go. start The show this week, just like we do each and every week, with a look down the streets of the MemorNet, and that's Memphis on the internet, as you know. All right, the first one here hashtag coldheartcash. Last week's icy blast dominated the MemorNet. Exhibit A the Johnny Cash statue in Cooper Young. Rick Cheddar he tweeted, It's so cold out there, old Johnny has a frozen booger hanging. Uh, hashtag hold hard cash. Uh, pick up the paper and have a look uh, at the photo to see what I'm talking about. The National Weather Service tweeted a an honest weather map of Memphis. You know, coming in from the west, there was a light snow watch. But to the north, there was a bread and milk advisory, and right along the middle part of town, there was a liquor store warning. Katie Barber shared MLG Wordle with us. It, uh, you'll have to see it, too, but uh, she wrote, It's not a Wordle. It's just the MLG outage map. There's more red than green, if you can imagine And I found this great YouTube video from uh, a YouTuber called Go Places Pro. It's this beautiful aerial shot of downtown Memphis. It's gorgeous. If you need a moment of zen, go check it out having a look at some news annual targets it's another year another chance for state lawmakers to target the lgbtq community i wrote about several several bills before the state legislature this year that target the lgbtq community one of them is a textbook ban that would it would uh, ban textbooks and instruction materials that promote normalized support or address controversial social issues such as lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender lifestyles. Lifestyles in quotes there. And the bill deems these, quote, lifestyles, as, quote, inappropriate. Another bill that targets transgender athletes, this one came back, it prohibits males from participating in public higher education sports that are designated for females. It does more. You can check it out. Teachers and pronouns. This bill would allow uh, school teachers or school employees to use whatever pronouns they want for students. If the student's preferred pronoun, does not align with a student's biological sex. And finally, another bill that targets trans kids' health care. This was filed last year, not passed, but it would it would ban sex identity change therapy to, quote, prepubescent minors unless parents have permission from three doctors. And it, it punishes violations of this law as child abuse. Free for all. This is uh, from our cannabis coverage in the cannabis section. Cannabis could be legal in Tennessee for medical and recreational uses, And those jailed on cannabis-only charges could be freed should lawmakers pass this bill. The bill comes from uh, State Rep. Bob Freeman. He's a Democrat from Nashville. It's called the Free All Cannabis for Tennessee Act, the FACT Act. It's up for consideration. This bill is certainly one of the most expansive ever filed in Tennessee, as it would make cannabis legal across the board for all uses for those 21 and older. The bill outlines who would be able to use cannabis, where it could be consumed and where it couldn't, who could grow it, who could sell it, edibles, plants, concentrates, resin, hemp, research, the pathway to release from jail, and more. For the bill, Freeman worked with the Tennessee Growers Coalition, a hemp and cannabis advocacy group for Tennessee growers, and they said in a statement, The Tennessee Growers Coalition and Tennesseans are tired of waiting for federal action on cannabis legalization and plans to take matters into their own hands. Tennessee has a rich history of cannabis cultivation, but misinformation and negative stigmatization have left our state behind the times. Jackson Baker is a name you know from the Memphis Flyer. He is our political editor; has been doing it for a good long while, so he knows what's up out there. Jackson, good morning. Welcome to the show.
1: Good morning, Chubby.
0: Well, there, you know, still, we the state legislature has gotten in gear up there. One of the first things they did, their first priorities, was to kind of redraw the the political map. Jackson, I got to say. I, I mean, I understand redistricting and, and the words gerrymandering and all that stuff. That was a topic I didn't really follow too closely. Maybe you can give me like a Civics 101 lesson here about redistricting. And why do we do it and what happened this year?
1: Well, every 10 years, of course, the the country takes a, a national census. Every every state, every city, every uh, little capillary place, they figure out how many people are living there, and they find out some uh, facts about what kind of people live in such and such place. They get a new population map. is what it comes down to. Okay. Now, what the, what the states do, and all of them have a different method for doing so, but in Tennessee, the Tennessee legislature gets together, looks at the new census data, and determines how the districts for uh, state representatives, senator, and congressman have to change to, to, to have the right number of people rep- representing the right you know, proportion of people. And so the, the lines always change every 10 years in relation to the census data. And Democrats, when they controlled the legislature, they would pretty much carve the districts up to suit themselves and tell the Republicans how it was going to be. Okay. And the Republicans had no choice but to accept it. Except that they did take the Democrats to the courts a couple times, and the courts ruled that um, uh, such-and-such reapportionment was unfair, and they had to do it again. Now, the situation is reversed today because Republicans, as of the last two censuses, have been telling the the Democrats what the new districts are going to be. And one thing they did this year, Nashville has had a Democratic congressman representing it for yea-long, for decades— same man, and even before him, Nashville had its own member of Congress. He was always a Democrat. It's right. a very Democratic city. Well, the Republicans say that won't do. Now there are several suburban uh, areas, the surrounding Nashville, so-called donut counties, and they have very conservative Congresspeople. And and this the uh, way they drew the maps this year, and and the Republicans in Nashville have. Uh, the, the prerogative of doing, so the Democrats really get to recommend it, but they don't get to see any of their recommendations that really happen. And in any case, they carved up Nashville so that it's now impossible to uh, be represented uh, uh, by a Democrat if you're in Nashville, Right. because part of you is in one rural district, part of you is in another rural suburban district, and there is no, no way to elect a Democratic congressman in Nashville. That leaves the only Democratic congressman in Tennessee of the nine in Memphis. That's Steve Cohen, district number nine. And they they would have gerrymandered that out of existence. But, uh, you know, it's it's 60% black, and there is no way to make that a Republican district. Uh, they, they've stretched it to Millington to make it more rural. Right. And they cut out a, a, a nice phallic-sized hunk of East Memphis that's got all the money in it yeah. and gave that to the eighth District, David Kustoff, but it's still a Democratic district. It is. Uh, Steve Cohen says it's unlosable. But that's the congressional districts. They're, they managed to cut out one Democrat, and so it's now going to be eight Republicans and one Democrat representing the state of Tennessee. Now, but, and also they gerrymander. And the word gerrymander comes from a practice in Massachusetts back in the 19th century, and when one of the reigning powers up there carved up a map look like a bunch of salamanders. The district look looked, looked like a bunch of salamanders. They were so oddly shaped to get the, the foreordained result. And, and somebody coined the term gerrymander after uh-huh. the governor jerry who did that. So that's why we say gerrymander. But they really gerrymandered the map of Shelby County. We have a Democratic majority in Shelby County. We've lost the seat because population has center of population has shifted eastward. So we had to lose the seat in you think, well, we're a Democratic country, we'll lose a Republican seat. Well, of course not. Right. The Republicans in Nashville who control things made sure we lost a Democratic seat. And it's very possible that we'll lose a Democratic uh, seat for an African-American. And the African-American population, again, is the majority population. These things aren't fair. They are intended to back up the party that is in control. And, they, and you, you have the oddest-looking districts like we have two or three districts here in Shelby County that do look like salamanders, like the original Jerry with a body in one part of town and long neck that stretches across the whole city, and a beach almost on the Fayette <laughs> County line. I mean, we we have some things like that. We are more Republican in Shelby County as far as representation goes going forward than we should be according to what our population is. This st- is you know the state is dominant Republican these days. But, you know, Democrats should have a proportionate share of their numbers, and Democrats always get somewhere from 30 to 40 percent of any election, so we should have that kind of representation in the Congress. We have one congressman out of nine districts. Not fair. It won't be fair until the Democrats start winning state elections and start electing state uh, legislators, and they can form the majority and start uh, gerrymandering to suit themselves but obviously, it's hard to elect those people because we're already gerrymandered by Republicans. It's it's catch twenty two. This I doubt in our lifetime, Toby, that we'll see the Democrats restore their majority in Tennessee. It may happen eventually, but not not in the next two or three censuses. I don't think.
0: What, you know, last year we saw three special sessions of the General Assembly. That was more than any time in history. This year, to my eye anyway, it looks like we're off to a pretty slow start. What else is happening in Nashville that we need to keep an eye on?
1: Well, at some point, you know, they have it. They've already passed a bill called the trigger bill that will outlaw abortion in Tennessee just as soon as the Supreme Court declares abortion it possible for a state to do so. Okay, and that's that. That's the that's the decision that everybody's on pins and needles waiting for. It is assumed that the six conservative justices will pass or will rule in some such way, making it possible. And a lot of states have these trigger bills. We have a trigger bill, just goes into effect when the Supreme Court rules. That's one of the obvious developments to watch for this year, as far as new legislation. Senator
0: Katrina Robinson, former uh, Senator Robinson, now was expelled from. Um, was expelled from the, the state senate. This is like last week, two weeks ago. She was under federal investigation. It went from what something like forty-eight charges down to two charges. From about six hundred thousand dollars under investigation to a little under thirty-five hundred dollars that was that was not claimed the right way.
1: From fifteen charges down, it went from fifteen charges down to four. Actually, okay. she was convicted on four charges of of. Uh, wire fraud and embezzlement and basically that was the idea that she had gotten federal funding for her nursing school right. and and she used the money at uh, six at least six hundred thousand dollars worth of money for totally per- uh, personal purposes like her wedding and so forth that was the charge there were four charges the jury a, a federal jury convicted her on four charges judge federal judge lipman here in memphis oh, took two of those charges. I didn't even know that judges could, could do that to uh, jury decisions. But no. She stripped two of those convictions away, leaving two. So there's still two convictions. And what, what Senator Robinson had been trying to do was postpone any confrontation with the Senate until March 3rd, when her day of sentencing is at hand and the Republicans wanted to go ahead and expel it because there's a Senate rule that if you're convicted of felony, you have to go. Yeah. And the Republicans were hastening that, and then the Democrats, sympathetic to Katrina, were trying to you know, extend that day of reckoning until at least sentencing because her lawyer says that they're still trying to strip those last two charges. And since two charges of guilty found by a jury have already been stripped, there's actually some precedent for that, and if those last three charges are stripped, those convictions are eliminated, removed by the judge. I doubt that's going to happen. I think she's just going to sentence Robinson. But if that should happen, theoretically, she could be uh, uh, conviction free, and she, it was on that basis that she said we should wait till March 3rd. The Republicans in the Senate say we're not say we're not going to wait. They expelled her, and I don't know if, 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 Katrina Robinson's not yet filed her appeal, but supposedly she will appeal, and this, Durham is not really gonna be able until March 3rd when she gets her sentence. We see if it's lenient or involves time in right. prison, and, or or if she comes out with the miracle of having talked the judge into eliminating the other two convictions which the judge can eliminate evidence.
0: Right. One last thing before I let you go on that, Germantown Senator Brian Kelsey is also under federal investigation for some election financial allegations and things like that. That trial is not until 23. I think they've pushed that back until then. So he's going to be safe for a little while. But if you're Kelsey and you're seeing what happened to uh, Senator Robinson, what do you think?
1: Well, I think he, he has vested interest in the outcome. And if she if she manages to wiggle, she's already done some wiggling. I mean, you got 15 charges down to four convictions, and you get rid of the two two of the four convictions, and now you're trying to get rid of the last two. There is a lot of wiggle room built into the legal system, and Kelsey will advantage himself of it. You can can be sure of that. In the meantime, he's trying to get reelected, and this is going to be very odd if he does get reelected. He's up this year. And then the first thing uh, that happens to him in the first week of the new session next year, is they consider exposure because they they have expelled her. There's no uh, logic to expelling her for conviction of a felony and not expelling him. Right. He can you cannot take your your state senate campaign funding and apply it to a federal campaign. He was running for Congress and lost. And the way he did that is he, he would take extra amount of dollars. He would give give that to a friends friendly pack, and the friendly pack would give him give him right back the same amount of money. Into his congressional campaign fund. So he was kind of circuiting the law, bringing right. uh, in run on the law. And they caught him and they're going to try to nail him, but he's wily and he's got to put off for January and he'll do everything he can in to get it further weakened. Right. But he's going to be tried at some point.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Jackson Baker, thank you for, uh, for all your time today on the show. Thanks for watching this stuff so closely, keeping us in the know. I appreciate it, folks. This is Jackson Baker. He's our political editor. Uh, Jackson, thanks so much, man. All right, let's get our calendar out here, see if we can't find some stuff to help you get your weekend together. There's a lovers and friends party. This is at the Hugh Hotel, 79 Madison, uh, tonight, 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. If anybody stays up that late anymore, Uh, (laughs) tickets are $20. I don't stay up that late. There's a Valentine's Day dance at the Blue Suede Ballroom Dance Studio. That's 3675 Southwind Park Cove. This runs from Saturday to Monday at various times. It's $50. Pick up the flyer for more details. And tomorrow's Saturday. It's Carnival Family Day at the Dixon Gallery and Gardens. They say it's Carnival time, celebrated all over the world, and now at the Dixon. Enjoy live performances, art demonstrations, activities, and more. This is absolutely free at the Dixon gallery and gardens that's tomorrow 10 a.m to 2 p.m go out and enjoy some carnival okay folks well that's going to do it for our calendar y'all go have a great weekend enjoy yourself stay safe michael donahue is our man about town he writes about food parties kind of anything music michael you do it all man welcome to the show
2: well, thank you. Hi, Toby.
0: How are you doing? Great. Right before we came on, I was looking at this list of stuff that you've written about here. This stuff is crazy interesting. I <laughs> wanted to take a take a few of them here that you've written about recently, and uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about it. Here's an older one. This is a Showtime Sheba's Hot Potatoes food truck. That sounds amazing. What is it? She's amazing. She does everything with potatoes,
2: loaded potatoes. Sure. And she's got a food truck. I think she came up. Once with a potato loaded with French fries. So you're getting (laughs) lots, lots of potatoes. She's just an example of one of these Memphis people that are doing this great food, unique things, and doing great at it. And, you know, they just all need to be supported. And I love finding out about new ones. So if anybody knows anybody, let me know. So, Absolutely.
0: Good. Look up Michael Donahue on our website, memphisflyer.com. Find his uh, contact information. Drop this man a line, especially if you've got some cool new food truck that needs a little bit of press. Uh, Michael is great at doing that. Let's switch over to Uncle Goyo's Mexican restaurant. You said it's going to open in February. It's from uh, the folks from Tacos and Ganas, right?
2: Yes, and you gave me the tip originally about Tacos and Ganas coming to Cooper Young, and uh, I'm indebted <laughs> to you for that. Of course, but forever. He- love tacos Naganas and it's it's so delicious and wonderful. And he had dropped when we did the interview on Cooper Young that he was going to open a restaurant in Germantown. So this is not the taco Naganas tacos, but he's still going to have tacos, but it's traditional Mexican food from where he comes from. It's not Tex-Mex. He said it's the, it's the real thing. And he's brought in uh, a chef, I think from Mexico. And I can't
0: wait. But uh, look for Uncle Goya's Mexican restaurant. It's going to open later this month uh, on uh, 1730 South Germantown Road. It says in the Thornwood community. I'm not sure where that is, but I will find it because I know the food is amazing. Uh, I think it's right next to where you turn in to go to Germantown Performing Arts Center. From Mexican food to Jordanian food. You wrote about Sammy Joda. He's offering authentic Jordanian food at Flames. What about this guy?
2: He's he's amazing. I went over there and I ate some of this food and it's just so good. And it's Jordanian food. It's, you know, I guess like Mediterranean food. I mean, the chicken shawarma and right. things like that. It's a little place and he opened a new one on summer. So he's another one of these. Watch out, you know, other tacos, Naganas.
0: I love it. So that's Flames Mediterranean and Grill. That's at 546 South Highland near University of Memphis. Look for that. And uh, so uh, another one you've written a lot about keeping us in the know about the peanut shop. What's going on with it?
2: Well, he's about to open. I mean, he said hopefully in about three weeks. But this is the legendary peanut shop that everybody grew up. Memphis in the Mid-South at least once you went to the peanut shop I know when we were little we I got our parents to buy every plastic Mr. Peanut cup and statue Mm -hmm. and and there but he had to move because after all these years because the building was sold and they're making apartments and condos I think he said so he found a new spot which is where the front of the center for southern folklore used to be down Mm -hmm. the street and he's he said, it's the same amount of space, but it's not that long, thin thing that we're used to. And by the way, that was my very first job, was working at the peanut shop in 1969. I worked there for <laughs> one week for a dollar and then quit and went to work at Cecil's grocery store. That's so amazing.
0: I, what, was your special, job, what was your job at the peanut shop?
2: It was everything. I mean, it was the hardest job I've ever had to date. I mean, I had to run that place by myself, and there was – that's when main street was still main street so the bus stopped right in front of the peanut shop and people would run in the peanut shop and i was there by myself and i had to sell the candy sell the peanuts weigh the thing i think i had to clean the oil machine before i went home the roaster or i went home i had to mop the floor sweep the floor mop the floor all for a dollar an hour but his new place is is more rectangular i think he said but it's Sounds like it's going to have the same vibe.
0: I think, you know, as as long as you open that door and and that smell of all that goodness inside there hits you, uh, uh, none none of the rest almost even matters. It's got a cool vibe and uh, Mr. Peanut tapping on the window. It's great that uh, we can keep an institution like that going and hopefully they'll go for a very, very long time. It's a tough life for Michael Donahue eating at some of the best (laughs) places in Memphis and then uh, gets to write about them. But, uh, Michael, we appreciate that you do, sir. Thank you so much. Take care out there, man, and we'll see you around here real soon. Thanks. Talk to you soon all right folks that is going to do it for my half of memphis flyer radio the talk half of the show but be sure to stick around for the second half of the show that's the better half of the show with our music editor alex green who's going to spin you some records tell you some tales And he's going to sound dang good doing it. I promise you that. Y'all have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. Thank you so much for joining me. Alex, take it away. Thank you.